eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Welcome to the Full 10 Yards of College Football podcast. Uh, for our last regular season, or regularly spaced, should I say, college football podcast, we're going to drop down to one a week after this, just keeping the scouting podcast as the regular now as we move forward into the draft season. Um, so yeah, what we're going to do today is going to be a bit of a review. Don't think it's going to have too much structure to it. We're just going to talk about the college football season, what we've liked, what we've not liked, anything else we want to talk about. I'm sure we'll shout out some schools, some players, some games, things like that that we've enjoyed and just have a little bit of a laugh. And then we have our big announcement that we've been banging on about for a couple of weeks. So stay tuned to towards the end of the episode. We'll be kind of talking about that and telling you all about what we've been doing and what we're going to bring you in the near future. Lads, we're joined by everyone for our season review. We've got Rob, Andy, Liam and Kieran. It's over and um, it's sad, isn't it? Nothing to do on Saturday now, really. Yeah, there's nothing to do at all, except from, you know, hope and pray that Bo Pelini comes back to LSU. As the defensive coordinator, as Kieran so wants, as you heard, if you listen to it, if not, don't go listen to it. Uh, at the end of last week, uh, Kieran had an announcement to make us live on the, on the full 10 yards account. So go check that out wherever you find our, our, our podcast. Yeah, we should give that a shout out, shouldn't we? Um, how was that for <laughs> you, Kieran? Well, obviously, you seem to accept it with pretty good grace throughout the whole year as it was kind of only looking like it was going to go one way. And then obviously you had to... Kind of get up there and, and take your punishment, really, didn't you? Uh, I'm a man of my word. So as much <laughs> as it hurt me to do it, I I made a bet. I lost a bet, and I accepted the punishment. I don't think you know. You know, the worst part of the whole thing wasn't talking up Bo Pelini or talking down Joe Burrow. It was the last two words. <laughs> I'm never going to say them again in my life unless they're followed by "fuck you." in the words of Coach O'Geron. Those last two words were really great in. What did you What did you think of it when you were first presented it? Because obviously you and Rob got together and you recorded it separately. And then obviously you had a little look at it first. What was, what was your initial reaction? It was hilarious. Rob, oh. did, a, Rob did a masterpiece. That uh, I was in hysterics. <laughs> we were, we're setting up to record. We're having a couple technical difficulties with the audio. And I, as we were getting the call started, I was reading through it. I could not stop laughing. It was, honestly, it's one of, it, was, it was funny as hell. So I think we said after last week's episode, I think we discussed it off air um, without Kieran. Uh, this is after the scouting pod. And I said, oh, should I give it to him now to read? And we thought, yeah, we'll give it to him to read because it was quite tongue twisty. But I didn't. I gave it to him about 20 minutes before we recorded. So it was fresh off the, off his palate. And it was great. It just flows so well. Uh, so, yeah, you took it like you took it like a champ, mate. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to see next year what, what bets we could come up with. Um, We'll, we won't speculate now, but we'll, we will come up with something. Ice bucket. <laughs> Loser has to pour a bucket of ice water on themselves. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'm sure we'll come up with something because, you know, I think we all have a few fresh takes uh, every now and then. So, um, yeah, so we'll get something going next year. But you can no longer say that the LSU Tigers are the champions or the defending champions. Would we say that, you know, after it's all said and done, Alabama were worthy champions? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's resounding yes, isn't it? I mean, I think I said later on in the season that in terms of historical college teams, these guys are up there. I don't think they're quite 2019 LSU, but they're definitely on the same sort of level as like 2001 mm-hmm. Miami Hurricanes. They were fantastic. And watching them play all season, there was no way that they weren't taking home the natty. Mm-hmm. I think the, the only team throughout the season that looked close was Clemson, but. They they fought against Notre Dame without Trevor Lawrence, blah blah blah. <laughs> but you know they they got done over by you know Ohio State, which you know we didn't really see coming. I don't think. Um, I think well, Liam did. Liam did, but no one else did. Um, <laughs> not I don't, I don't I don't think Liam saw a, like a blowout either. Like they they romped them, um, and it just goes to show Alabama were, in my opinion, by far and away the best team this year. Yeah, I um, I did uh, when I did the an SEC preview. Um, I has ended up predicting Alabama would go unbeaten, and at the time I joked that I, I felt dirty doing it. But um, mm. then the longer the season went on, 
yeah, they they got stronger and stronger and fought tough injuries as well. So, yeah, fair play to Bama. I don't think there was there was not one point of this season where I I thought Alabama got a sticky game this week or <laughs> Alabama going to come unstuck here or or they could go close in this game. There was not that moment, and even during the games there was moments where it was tighter than it probably should have been, but it was never tight. Yes, <laughs> no, they were never losing any of those games. They were by far and away. I mean, I mean we'll, we'll mention them later on, I'm sure, in this podcast. But like Devonta Smith and. His lights out, been incredible. And I, I mean, I was a big Jerry Judy fan this time last year. I think Devonta Smith has trumped him this year. I think he's been absolutely brilliant. Yeah, Georgia was the only stumbling block I saw for Bama once they got past Georgia. I think that was it. Yeah. I'm just looking like down the list of games that they've played, just kind of results wise, and there isn't really even a close game. No. Yeah, against good teams. An SEC mm, only mm. schedule. Yeah, really. I mean, that's what I mean. It was, it was, there was points in some of those games. It could have been, it was probably tight. Like some of them games, I think at halftime, it might've been just a, within the score, but by the end of the game, they've just gone, they go into sixth gear and there's no team in the SEC or in college football that can handle Alabama's sixth gear this year. Yeah, I think that's very fair. I mean, you just look down the list of award winners. Obviously you got Devonta Smith won the Heisman, Landon Dickerson won an award. Mac Jones won an award. Najee Harris won an award. Devonta Smith also won the Belitnikoff Award. Yeah. Uh, Alex Leatherwood won an award. And, you know, Mac Jones and Devonta Smith obviously won multiple. But, you know, it's pretty dominant from an award standpoint as well. And it does kind of just show, doesn't it, how dominant this team was throughout the whole of the season, as we've mentioned. I, I think that also... Is is partly down to Coach Saban. I know, I don't want to talk him up too much, like he's a genius or whatever. But the, the discipline he has within that squad, we saw with. I'm not taking shots here, but we saw Ohio State and Clemson players continually breaking COVID rules and going out and you know being in trouble with that sort of thing. And from Alabama, besides you know Saban and a couple of cases here and there, and one of them which was actually a false positive, the team was very very professional and they handled themselves very very well. We know Saban doesn't let freshman players do like uh, press or anything like that because he likes everyone to remain professional and be prepared for it. And uh, before the season started, I thought maybe they should start Bryce Young because I just, I just think he's a better quarterback than Mac Jones. But, you know, Mac Jones stood in well and they played great all year. And I think part of the reason they did so well despite all the problems going on right now around them is because of coach Saban. He made sure everyone was professional and everyone was on a level. And I think that really elevated them over other teams this year. Can we have a discussion just for a minute about Mac Jones? Because I was talking to my mate at work today about, about Mac Jones and I'm, I'm still on the fence with him because is it a case of the receivers have made the quarterback here or is it a case of, he is a first-round talent because I've seen places mock Indianapolis grabbing Mac Jones, and that scares the life out of me. Because you know, with that cast of characters at Alabama, with that O line, with those receivers, with that quality, it's is it e- it's easy to look good, right? As an Alabama quarterback. So, am I right? In whatever, I want to gauge what everyone's opinion is on this. Is Matt, I mean, Andy, I know that you've scouted him for uh, for a time. Um, what, what are your thoughts here? Is he a first round talent or is it a case of the wide receivers made him look better than what he is? So, I started out like uh, quite high, um, mocking him in the first round here, there, and everywhere, but I've kind of slipped it down a bit now. I think there's I think there's holes in his game. I mean, like he's a good passer of the ball. You can't deny that. He, he's, he's, um, his anticipation and the way he throws players open is elite. That's his. That's his main. Uh, his main skill for me is his kind of awareness. Finds his man quite easily, nicely. But like you say, it's not difficult to find your man when they're kind of like in ten foot of space, uh, painting, legging it down the field. So that, that's that's there for me. The, the main gaping hole, and this is the same problem I've got with Kyle Trask. Uh, is the, just the athleticism. Like, uh, I mean, how many quarterbacks have you seen drafted in the last 10 years who can't at least, like, pick up a 10 yards with their feet without 
like looking like they're they're blowing, and, and it just doesn't really come across with Jones for me. I mean, he, he's not he's not the worst runner when he gets out of the pocket, but he's not quick. His fit mm. his footwork when he's running isn't very good. Um, and, and like I mean, <laughs> I think well, none of us are. Uh, best place to judge, but his body type isn't a professional athlete's body <laughs> type. Like it's dad a, bod, isn't he? He's got yeah. absolute dad bod going on. That's <laughs> it, and, and it's harsh, isn't it? But I mean, like, I don't know. It just doesn't strike me as a guy. I mean, obviously, we've seen like the likes that, like, you know, everyone's seen that Tom Brady picture, and you don't need to be. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> seen that picture, but. I mean, I think even like I think Brady himself like today is like a you know completely different guy, really professional. Uh, got his own like workout thing and everything. That era's changed for me, and um, so I mean, I like him as a prospect. I, I think if someone works with him, gets him in the gym, uh, and is happy with a quarterback who's just going to stand tall in the pocket, get hit and knock it outside at all, then then fair play. You could still win with that. Brady and Rogers are kind of that sort of example as to why, but um, I don't think he's a first round talent. Are you just backing up Alabama quarterbacks because of a certain uh, left-handed quarterback that's at your team? That's it, mate. Well, like, I mean, we've all had doubts about him this year, haven't we? I mean, well, not all of us, but like some some people are like really doubting uh, him based on first-year production. But I mean, that's just bizarre because Chap didn't have an off-season, didn't have a hip. He's going to be very good in the NFL. It's fine, but. Um, yeah, like I, I don't think I think Jones second, third round, fine. Uh, that's his ceiling for me. Um, I think someone will take him uh, midway in the second round, but I don't think he's going to go in the first. Let's continue to score on the room because it's an interesting topic that you've brought up. There is a bit of a polarizing uh, draft prospect, and obviously we'll come on um, in Sky Podcast two quarterbacks in a few weeks' time. Kieran, you had your hand up there. What, what's your two pence worth on on Matt Jones? I think he's worth a punt in like the third round, but I, I don't think he's a first round talent. We see a lot of guys, especially at the college level, it's so much easier to throw guys open in college because you look in the NFL, you're throwing into inches of space, whereas in college, you, receivers are normally wide open when they're, they're getting thrown to. So I, I look, he's got a decent arm, but his athleticism is really in question. I mean, Tom Brady's 40 time is actually faster now than it was when he was drafted. And that's just because the man's an absolute freak and just, just keeps working harder than anyone. I don't know if Mac Jones really has that mentality. I know Coach Saban's setting up really good in a very professional system and, and got him to play at a very high level at college, but not sure if that translates in the NFL. His pocket awareness looks good, but also he's playing behind the Alabama offensive line, which is an offensive line which consistently puts out offensive talent. And I don't think there's been a year gone by where they haven't had a tackle drafted in the first two, two or three rounds. So uh, I think he can be good, but I think he requires a lot of coaching. His footwork isn't necessarily elite. His arm, not necessarily elite. His accuracy is okay. And his pocket awareness isn't great, but we also send it's the tendency which I actually praise Kyle Trask for getting out of where sometimes if he doesn't find his read quick enough, he'll panic and then maybe try and tuck and run rather than scrambling to create a bit of a bit more time for himself. Like that was, I criticized Kyle Trask for it. And later on the season, he started to be able to scramble and create more time for himself. And I don't see Mac Jones being able to do that. When you're going up against teams like maybe Washington, who've got a Deron Payne bearing down on you from the middle, Chase Young from one side and like a Montez Sweat on the other side, I don't think that translates to the NFL level. So, uh, you know, he's good, but he's not first round good, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense to me. Um, yeah, my kind of two things. I mean, Andy's summed it up really well. He's got some certain traits that definitely stick out. And, um, you know, you both guys have covered kind of the negatives and the positives really nicely. So I'm not going to go too much into that. But value-wise, I feel like we're seeing him in mocks like late in the second, late in the first round and it's too high. He's not that sort of elite talent that you want to draft. If you're drafting a quarterback in the first round, you want him to be a bona fide league starter. He's AJ McCarron, but less handsome. <laughs> You've been sat on that one, haven't you, for a little while when we brought up He's a good-looking guy. I'm just, yeah, I just think Matt Jones is AJ McCarron, and AJ McCarron really didn't have a great career in the NFL. But I also think that's a, he's a victim of circumstance. There, we've we've seen it guys like Josh Rosen who are supremely talented, but then you know haven't been given the opportunity to play. So I, 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 I think maybe if he gets to a system that can use him more, maybe sit him a year. I, it, I think maybe it would have been great if the Green Bay Packers could have taken him in round three, but they're stuck with that fat shit Jordan Love for the next few years. So 
Yeah, I think if he gets in the right system and could learn behind a veteran quarterback, like it would have been interesting if the Colts had taken him and Philip Rivers was going to be there another year or two, or maybe if he, he falls to the second and the rumours about Stafford going to the Colts are true, then he can sit behind Stafford a couple of years and you may, maybe learn the ropes a bit because Stafford's an elite quarterback, no, no matter what way you try and cut it. I just think it would be a case of him having the right people around him and being able to develop under the right sort of team and system. We 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 did that last year with Eason though. That's the thing. Like, yeah. that's why we got Eason last year. So that wouldn't fit for us. I I this is why I question seeing like I said Indianapolis being drafted um, Mac Jones in a load of mocks that I've seen. I question it because I don't think if we're drafting a, a quarterback, it's got to be an NFL ready quarterback. And these guys later on aren't. There's there's two maybe three in this draft. If we don't get them, then there's no point drafting. In my opinion. Be interesting if the Colts do get Stafford because Jacob Eason and Stafford are pretty similar in that regard. So it'd be kind of a, a nice little kind of thing that was wasn't really the thing with Philip Rivers. Obviously, Philip Rivers is a different type of quarterback to Matt Stafford, whereas that and Jacob Eason didn't really match what him and Stafford kind of do. Um, both like George quarterbacks have offer a, a certain period. Go ahead. I think Eason is better than Mac Jones as well. So really, that, yeah, 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 he is. Especially after a year in the NFL as well, behind Philip Rivers, mm. yeah, it's yeah. definitely the way to go. And yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Especially, I agree. Stafford and Eason match up skill set wise quite well. I think that's quite a good uh, quarterback room to have next year. Mm. And we said we don't we don't do comps, but here we are. Yeah, um, yeah. I think just to finish <laughs> off my uh, just to finish off what I was saying, I, I think that you're not going to draft Matt Jones as a starter, and that's kind of what we consensus wise. I think that's what we're all saying. So you're not going to draft him in the first round for me. Second round, you know, back up. Uh, you know, third round, maybe you know, if we're being really harsh, he can be a backup, and then you can maybe potentially be a starter. He's got maybe, you know, if he hits that ceiling, maybe he can be a starter at some point and a bit of mid-value starter. Never going to be kind of a a star in the league, I don't think. But um, yeah, he's he's got some things that he can work with. I've got him graded above uh, Kyle Trask. Yeah, so have I. To, to yeah, I have as well. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I mean, we've not really dug into quarterbacks. I haven't really dug into quarterbacks as of yet. So it'll be interesting to see how I come out on that one. Well, there you go, Lee. You're worried about uh, what rabbit holes we can go down. There you go. That's the first <laughs> one. A, a Mac Jones-sized hole. Mac Jones. Yeah, it almost became the Mac Jones podcast. But I like it. It's a good It's a good discussion. And, you know, it's a player who I think kind of has made a name for himself in a really short space of time. And I feel like now we're going from the era of Trevor Lawrence into the next era of college football, really. You know, we've known about Trevor Lawrence for, I mean, he's not, he's on, I know he's only in Clemson for three years, but we've known about Trevor Lawrence for four or five years. And it seems to have been the era of Trevor Lawrence. And now, you know, we've mentioned Bryce Young, we've mentioned in the past, you know, DJ Ongalele, and there's a whole bunch of quarterbacks to come in. So I feel like, do you guys feel the same? That it's kind of becoming like a new era of college football quarterbacks wise for next year. And it's something to really look forward to because we don't have this one dominant star in college football like a Trevor Lawrence anymore. I'm just waiting for that person to kind of evolve, I feel. Aren't we? I thought we were a Kenny Pickett podcast, weren't we? Sorry, we are. We are. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be drafted in the, the top six quarterbacks next year. There you go, book it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, he is, he's going back, isn't he? But uh, I don't know if Pitt are going to lose quite a lot of talent, aren't they? Um, from what we've seen from the senior yeah. ball and things like that. Um, but yeah, no, it's an interesting debate with quarterbacks, things like that. Yeah, among the like the playoff teams, yeah, it's going to be a new look for for all of them. So yeah, yeah it's going to be really in- interesting to watch. See, how, like Bryce Young's a, like the reason that Alabama are still going to be relevant. DJ is the reason that Clemson are are, sta- are going to stay good. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Do we feel? Oh, sorry, go on, Rob, you go ahead. I was going to say, of course, let's not forget that Sam Ellinger is out as well. So that's obviously one of the best college quarterbacks. <laughs> oh, wow. We'll, we'll come on to that a little bit later on, I feel. Do you see, he pick, picked off wonderfully at the, the senior bowl this week. The only guy that threw an interception on the first day of the senior bowl. Yeah, I saw that. Um, but yeah, it, it, do you feel like because there is a bit of turnover at the quarterback position at the top of the college football ranks, you think that leaves it a little bit open to maybe some new playoff contenders? I know it's one aspect of college football that we all quite enjoyed, the fact that there was a bit of the unknown, the fact that a few teams could have kind of made it. And I know it kind of did shake out to be pretty much exactly the same. But, you know, we were talking up the likes of Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, which we'll come on to in a, in a short while. But um, do you feel like there's a bit of turnover that could happen? It feels like to me that um, 
that Alabama losing more than just a quarterback as well with the with the two like main wide receivers gone after the other two went last year. I know they've got talented guys coming through behind, but not that for me it doesn't seem like they've got the, that that caliber of guy ready there uh, behind them. So it feels like those kind of elite difference makers that aren't going to be. Um, at the four next year, so it's a long-winded way of saying yes. It feels like another team's ready to knock Alabama off the off the top, and it, and it might come from somebody just a bit different. I, I think your um, UNC and stuff—they're so well placed. Obviously, losing the running backs there, but um, but other than that, I think they're really well placed to, to make a a real run on that top four. I mean, it's going to be more open, isn't it? Just generally, I feel. And like you say, in the ACC as well. I mean, if Clemson do take a bit of a drop-off after losing Cle- Trevor, I was going to say Clever Lawrence, and Trevor Lawrence, I'm sure, <laughs> is quite clever. Um, yeah, like you say, it could, could leave it open. And um, like we've said, I mean, I also sort of had my eyes open to it a little bit, sort of taking more interest in the ACC this season. But it's definitely got a lot of talent out there. And I'm not saying someone's got to knock off Clemson. You know, it would be nice if uh, Notre Dame could stay in that conference, even though they won't. Um, and it could be really, really interesting out there. Go ahead, Liam, sorry. I think that um, um, Bama and Ohio State in the, the Big Ten, I think, have got more of a challenge on their hands than Clemson. I think that the turnover at Clemson, they're still going to have a stranglehold on the ACC. We've we've seen what young Lele can bring. Lin J. Dixon, the running back, is going to be next man up in the backfield, and he's going to be a name that this time next year everyone's going to know about. And um Clemson's defense didn't have a single guy leave this season. They're all coming back. I mean, that's that's big because they're already a you know a good improving defense as it is. So now they're going to have yet another season as a whole unit. Yeah, that's uh, that's huge for them. Mm. So let's uh, let's tie let's put a lie underneath this then. So if we were to say, obviously we're trying not to be a review of Twitter, a review podcast uh, sorry a preview podcast for next year because that'll come uh, sort of in the spring but the quarterbacks then to step up are we talking Sam Howell Keelan Slovis Spencer Rattler are they the three that we've got to keep our eyes on now that this QB area is wide open I mean I know uh, Kieran's best mate is uh, is obviously Spencer Rattler. He loves him. So Rattler's going to yeah. be huge next season. Yeah, he's going to be the one. I think. Gonna I think take we should also talk leap. about Desmond Ridder, Jaden Daniels, and, and Max Johnson. I think those three guys definitely are worth talking about. The performances they've given this year have been consistently amazing, and I think just because you know Desmond Ridder being in the smaller conference might hurt him in terms of draft stock, but he's consistently outperformed expectations this year. Jaden Daniels, not so much, but he has all the tools to be consistent next year once the season is a bit better. And Max Johnson coming on as a true freshman in relief of TJ Finley and Miles Brennan has looked heads and shoulders above anything else we had in the QB room. So I think that's... Are you not going to address him by his proper name? I told you he's the lefty legend, the freshman phenom. Yeah, but yeah, these are three guys I think that are mainly uh, sometimes left out of people's top quarterbacks to watch list, uh, just maybe because of the past season where LSU weren't winning many games, Cincinnati were kind of just ignored, really, which is a shame. And ASU are a team that's, you know, the Pac 12 isn't super interesting. It's always everyone just looking at Oregon. So. And, and, you know, USC, they used to have the stranglehold. But, yeah, yeah, I think it's it'd be interesting to see how things shake out this season. I think a lot of people will be surprised by how good the three I just mentioned are as the season progresses. Yeah, as Rob mentioned, we'll have a little bit of a, a look forward after the draft. Um, sorry, Liam, you want, you want to make a final point, do you? Just a, a quick, just a couple of names again, just straight for the Pac-12, Tyler Schoff at Oregon, I think is going to take a leap. And uh, De'Eric King has gone back to Miami, which I think in terms of the ACC is interesting to see if he can take another another step, another step up. Thank you. One, one last quick point that Ohio State is going to have a very, very big problem next season with their quarterback room and it's not in terms of lack of talent but it's the prevalence of it they've got some guys in that quarterback room next season who all are 
should be starters at the college level. So it'd be interesting to see where that shakes out next season. Who's going to start? Who's going to say if if they're going to redshirt people, that sort of thing. I think we might see a repeat of what happened when they had like uh, Braxton Miller, JT Barrett and all those sort of guys in there. So it'd be interesting to see how that shakes out this year. But their quarterback room is, is probably one of the best in college football going into next season. Mm, going to be a bit of a battle going on down there, isn't it? Look, we'll draw the line under a quarterback discussion and I kind of look ahead. Um, has anyone got any sort of games that they kind of look back on this season and think, well, that was kind of game of the year or anything like that? Um, any kind of moments that kind of stand out for you? Maybe it's not even a game, but maybe just even a moment or anything like that. I can think of a game. Um, Coastal Carolina's victory over BYU comes to mind, mainly because we uh, made it a theme to kind of focus on little teams and then... Those two throughout the year were two teams that at different times we were saying outside chance for top 10, even college playoff places. And then uh, they um, they got together and um, managed to organise a game and it turned into one of the games of the season and the amount mm-hmm. of focus and attention that it had on it. Um, and then it even had uh, the underdog Coastal Carolina coming out winners. Um, even though BYU ended on the one yard line, it was, yeah, just a really, really good game. Uh, in general, I don't have um, stat lines in front of me, but Coastal, I think, one twenty-two seventeen, and um, yeah, as I say, as underdogs, kind of ended any outside chance BYU had of a uh, really high finish, but and kind of kicked Coastal Carolina's amazing season on to uh, to what it did. Um, yeah, I think it was quite a good year for uh, the smaller schools, and I think that game kind of epitomised it. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And it was a bit of a crazy end to that game as well, wasn't it? From what I can remember, it, like I say, it really came down to the last play and it was a bit of a goal line stand, wasn't it? Uh, from Coastal to kind of keep them out, um, to kind of keep their unbeaten record alive because it was the, the matching of the unbeaten records, wasn't it, at the time? It got its, its own name, Mullets versus Mormons. It just yeah, like, course, it became yeah. like the game that everyone wanted to watch that week, didn't it? And uh, yeah, yeah, good for them for getting it done and making it happen because, yeah, and the fact that it came down to the sort of ending it did, it lived up to it. What do we think, obviously, that that sort of thing has, has really come out of the season because of COVID and the fact that we've been playing conference only and there's not that, been, that many sort of across-conference battles. Obviously, that will all go away again next year. Do you think we're going to lose something or do you think this sort of thing will, will still have a place and, and teams will, obviously, the, the schedules are already set years in advance, but do we feel like that that will kind of come back in a few years that we'll see these games again because they are great games and people have obviously got a bit of a taste of it now and they've it's not sort of fell flat on its face because the college football season this year with everything that happened with COVID and, you know, potentially not even happening, it ran the risk of really falling flat on its face and really being a bit of a letdown, but it's not, in my opinion. I think it's been a really good season in general, although it's been a different season. What do we reckon moving forward? Uh, I think Notre Dame, for a start, should stay in the ACC. I think that would be a very strong move for them to finally get into a conference. And I think it would actually uh, help their chances. Um, You know, if they can beat Clemson consistently, you know, that puts them in the title picture every single season. And whether or not they got it done this year is irrelevant. If they can go ahead and compete against the likes of Clemson, we know that ACC is kind of talent starved because it's just sort of, Clemson at the top and we see it with the Big Ten as well it's just kind of Ohio State at top at the top and then every other conference has its juggernauts but it, it, it seems like a bit more of a fair fight so I think it'd also be good to see BYU in a conference I know they're, they're sort of just you know sort of one of the only independent schools left but I think a conference shake-up would be good for everyone soon the Ohio State, I think their biggest worry is if they have to play any uh, any like big heavy hitters out of conference early because we saw them struggle against Northwestern who aren't a particularly exceptional team. And I don't know whether that was just by, you know, how the game plan shook out or just if Justin Fields was having an off day. Uh, but I think next season will be a lot more lively because I don't know about you guys, but before the playoffs, I was, I was begging for playoffs. And now we've got the playoffs. I really don't like them. And they're, they're kind of ruined college football for me to an extent because it's the same four teams every single year. And thank God for LSU coming in and breaking it up. And occasionally you might have a Florida come in and break it up a little bit. But I think if they're not going to expand the playoffs, 
it's just going to kill college football a little bit for me that knowing that it's the same four teams consistently and teams like Cincinnati, uh, the, the big test for Cincinnati is going to be out of conference games if they have to play an SEC or a Big Ten team because then that will really elevate their stock in a way they couldn't this year because the best team they played this season was UCF up until the postseason when they stumbled against Georgia. So I, I think college football will be a lot more fresh and exciting next year, but don't expect anyone outside the big five or six schools to be in the playoff hunt. I, I think I think, I think, think to have fresh college football, you need to expand the playoffs because otherwise it's going to be the same four names and everyone's going to get sick of it very, very quickly. Like I said, I am already mm. sick of it. Yeah, we've talked about it in the past, haven't we, about a, a different type of playoff uh, format and things like that. Um, and it would it would freshen it up for sure. It would 100% make it a better spectacle um, and just a more interesting kind of thing moving forward just to see some variety more than anything. Well, I'll go in with a game of the a year, which is probably uh, not that well recognised. Um, one of the ones for me was uh, Clemson versus Boston College, which was uh, quite a tight game in the end, 34-28 to, to Clemson. But um, it felt like for, for a couple of weeks, didn't it, when obviously when Clemson fell to... Uh, not to uh, Notre Dame, and uh, then they went up against uh, Boston College. So it just felt like they was on the on the precipice of of rocking and uh, and going down, and that's kind of what the uh, like you know that's what college football is all about, isn't it? The underdogs and, and stuff like that. But obviously, in this game, Boston College went up um, uh, went in twenty eight thirteen up against Clemson, and you kind of saw. Uh, a bit of panic there and, and uh, Travis Etienne ended up putting up uh, 140 yards as they, as they just ended up zeroing in on him to kind of emphasise how good uh, how good he was in the ground and, and in the air. So, yeah, just, just games like that really interest me. I must admit, sometimes I find the kind of heavyweights at the end of the season uh, exciting in the preamble, but then when it gets there, it just like slides away, doesn't it? Like the national championship itself, I thought, and uh, and Alabama's first um, playoff game. But but obviously, shout out to Ohio State taking down Clemson as well. I thought that was unexpected, obviously apart from Liam, but that was a good game. But um, yeah, these kind of interconference ones, as you were saying, just that they they're going to fall away a bit by the by the wayside, and uh, and and they often provide some of the better action because the teams just know each other better. We need another 2007 season where Appalachian State ruined Michigan, USF start climbing up the rankings. We need we need another season like that where all the upsets keep happening. And I don't know if you remember the 2007 season, but the number two ranking was cursed that season. If you were ranked number two and you were playing anyone outside of the top 10, you were losing your game, basically. So I, I think another season like that would be fun. Shake it up. We'll have some Appalachian State winning some games and maybe USF making another crack at the top 10. So here's hoping for that and that was a good year as well because I don't know if you remember who the national champions were that year but I very much enjoyed that <laughs> just can't help yourself can you <laughs> but yeah you're right I think we've kind of got close, close uh, as close to that as we have since then yeah those sort of things are what we need the uh, kind of the interconference games for I think the American you know Cincinnati Memphis UCF um, Tulsa the season they had any uh, Power 5 team that they could have come up against this season, I think they could have caused a few upsets for sure. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we, we'll get that um, more so moving forward, I'm sure. Obviously, it'll kind of take some little bits and pieces from here and there. And, you know, if we get a few matchups in the next few years, once the schedules come out. And the other thing is, obviously, as we kind of alluded to before, there is TV deals coming up for renewal all around the college football landscape. So that'll surely mean some sort of alignment or realignment of the, the teams in the conferences and maybe the conferences as a whole. So maybe it will be, you know, and the, maybe not next year, obviously, but, you know, in the next few years, we will see a bit of mix and match and uh, be a few sort of new things coming up and cropping up. Um, maybe COVID will change that as well, but we'll see. But yeah, generally, um, going to kind of move forward into our announcement shortly. Does anyone have anything else they want to say? I mean, like I said before, is there is there anything that stood out for you, anyone at all? Um, Andy, I'll come to yourself first. Yeah, I was just going to quickly mention the actual COVID situation and uh, just have a quick, uh, like, you know, what do you guys think? I mean, I thought um, I thought in general, obviously, there's a lot of games cancelled and stuff like that, but I, I thought from the outside, it looked like uh, everyone was dealing with it quite well. And uh, But I just, I just wanted to raise, I think I sent, sent the link to you guys, um, you know, um, earlier in the week, that kind of one coach that, that stood up and, and has now 
left his job because uh, he just felt that the, co- that the coaching staff there, I think it was Middle Tennessee, uh, just weren't taking it seriously at all. And he said it's putting him in danger and that sort of thing. So I don't know, just like whether you guys quickly touch on like, um, you know, do, do you think that it was kind of just uh, mishandled in places? We saw like wild kind of uh, like, COVID, like COVID spread in some colleges and then some didn't have it at all. So it's just an interesting dynamic in the end. And, you know, was it being swept under the carpet in that in that classic college football way? <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't. It's It's been a tough one, hasn't it? Because... It's not like the NFL where they have one commission and one sort of ruling body over the, the whole league. It's several leagues sort of managing within a one big structure. I feel like it's been hit and miss, hasn't it? I feel like we can sit here and say it's well managed. We had the games postponed every week and we've missed a lot of big games. But considering they're managing 130 teams over the whole of America, which is obviously an enormous space, it could have been worse, I would say. I mean, Kieran's probably the best place to kind of comment on the COVID situation since he's over there. I know you've not been too uh, complimentary about how it's been handled at all, but you know, from a football point of view, what do you reckon, mate? Because obviously you're sort of on the ground there, whereas we're on the other side of the Atlantic. Uh, problem is, 90% of this country is a bunch of hogs who literally don't care about anyone but themselves. So it's hard to get people to wear masks. And like I said, with Ohio State, it's hard to get people to follow protocol. We've seen it with a bunch of college teams this year. Ohio State is just the biggest name. Uh, people, Miami of Ohio is a big one. The entire college town is entitled rich kids who think they don't have to follow their rules because, oh, my daddy has money. And then the rest of the people are just a bunch of Donald Trump voting hogs who literally have no concept of what life is outside of their bubble or even their street sometimes so uh, it's been handled as well as it possibly could I think the NBA did it best uh, at the end of last season when they had the bubble and they had the contact tracing and the NFL has handled it you know fairly well we obviously see uh, dickheads like Dwayne Haskins going to strip clubs and not wearing masks and stuff but I, th- I think that's just down to people being uh, irresponsible and not taking any accountability for their actions Mostly at college, we've it's where boys turn into men and people are taking their first steps into adulthood. And a lot of these guys, it's their first time being away from home. So it, it's been handled better than I thought it would be. Personally, I thought it was going to be a complete and utter shit show because this country is just ass backwards when it comes to infrastructure and, and plan, planning and things like that. So I, it, look, it, it, if... If this wasn't as big as it was and and maybe countries had handled it better, we see in places like New Zealand and certain Asian countries now, you can even go to concerts as long as you've been tested within the last few days and you wear masks and stuff. So I I think it's it's been affected by American culture more than anything. And the college kids have handled it exceptionally well because when it, like I said, it's your first step into adulthood and then you, you are excited to get on the college football field and that's potentially hamstrung by the amount of things that have gone wrong this season. I think a lot of colleges have handled it better than I expected or a lot of other people expected. I still think we should have canceled this year's college season and not because my team was ass. I would rather us go, (laughs) you know, 0 and 12 and the players be safe than, go 12 and 0 uh, uh, during COVID. So, you know, I just think it, it was handled way better than anyone expected, but it's, it's still, it's the culture in this country of me, 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 I, 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 and it's hard for people to do things as a team. But I think that's why we've seen players adapt to it so well, because they used to be in a team atmosphere. They used to having to give something up to help other people. So, yeah, you know, yeah, it's just this is a shit situation all around, but I'm glad that these young people have handled it 90% better than the middle-aged hogs running around and storming the capital. Mm. Liam, what about you? You had your hand up there, and you always had your hand up to, to, for another thing before Andy brought up that point as well. Yeah, I was just going to like just back up what's really been said. I think um, that you made a good point about the amount of teams that there are and that, you know how bad it could have been. It seems to be what everyone's feeling is it did feel to me like it was kind of a little bit on edge a few times with the amount of and the same in the NFL actually with the same amount of uh, positive tests we had we had um, uh, you know Clemson get upset about having to pull out of a, a game or two during the season I think there's a few more coaches to what Andy was saying about the, the coaches taking responsibility I think a few more could have done it during the season 
But um, yeah, no, I think uh, all the points you made are quite good. So, uh, overall, I think it it could have gone worse. Mm. And uh, yeah, they they got through uh, a lot of really good football. So let's then ask the question that we asked at the beginning of the season. Then you said to us, Lee, is the national champion this year going to have an asterisk after the name? Do we still feel that's the case, or do we feel that because all of the conference did end up playing, albeit five or six games? Was it a fair run for Alabama? We've discussed already that Alabama were untouchable, but is there an asterisk after the name? Let's go around the room, just like a one word each answer on that. So what do you reckon? You asked the question. Um, I don't think there should be, no, because I think they were hands down the best team. Mm-hmm. Kieran, what about you? Briefly. No. No, no to an asterisk, you mean, sorry? Uh, no to an asterisk, because... Mm. In terms of how the season went, they played the biggest schedule. They played the most games and stuff. I think it'd be different if it was, I hate to go back to it, maybe like Ohio State or something who had so many things changed for them to get to the place they were. Mm. But given that they played almost a full schedule, uh, I think you've got to say no. Yeah, for me, I, I don't think so. I don't think the season was was cut short enough across the board, you know, obviously it was in certain places Kieran alluded to, but no, I, I think it's been a pretty full season, fuller than we might have anticipated. Andy, what about you? I think there should be half of one, and I, I think it's because um, been playing in empty stadiums, uh, teams haven't been able to generate the atmosphere to shut it down. It's been talent versus talent, and they're stacked with talent. So, um, for me, that kind of brings it in a bit. Like, if, you know, if you've compared it to a football match over here, it's like the FA Cup stuff that's been going on. A lot of the smaller teams are missing out on that that crowd just getting all in the back <laughs> back end of their, um, uh, you know just driving their team forward against the bigger teams and stuff. But uh, that sort of thing, I think, for me, just a slight asterisk. I mean, obviously, uh, if you push me on yes or no, I'd say no. But uh, I think that should be taken into account. That's a fair point. Yeah, less about the FA Cup, though, please, mate. Uh, Liam, just finally on that one, um, what about yourself? Asterisks or no asterisks? No, no asterisks. I think uh, that Alabama team were the best in the nation. Their bad asses. Saban would have had them ready for any atmosphere um, that, they would have come up against this season, I think. Just as a, a final topic then, before we kind of move on to our announcement, Liam, you had your hand up before Andy mentioned the COVID thing. What were you, what were you about to bring up? I, I just wanted to mention that uh, maybe something that else we can go around the room with, the team to watch next year going forward. And I would like to nominate Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma are going to be really good next season. Um, they're going to be back to being offense first next season what improved for them uh the way they ended this season was that their defense was really good and um then you've got uh, guys like in the secondary like trey sermon trey brown who are going on to the draft their edge rusher ronnie perkins has declared which i'm really excited about because uh he's one of my favorites um they're all going to be gone but then you look at their offense and the way that the big 12 plays i'd just like to give an early shout out for oklahoma to have a really good season next season mm. anyone else want to go for before me because i'm still thinking about mine uh i would probably look my my heart says cincinnati because i think they're really on the up especially with luke fickle M- my head says arizona state because jane daniels is a monster but the child in me says UNC just because they have a player named Storm Duck. Yeah, UNC are going to be good as well. Obviously, got Sam Howell losing quite a lot of talent on the offense side of the ball, though. But defensive side of the ball should be relatively untouched. I feel. You're going to continue following them, Lee? I don't know. Actually, I'm not sure. I've actually, I have actually quite enjoyed kind of being a fan of one team, although it's not. You know, it was kind of uh, sprung upon me at the start of the year. So I don't know. You know, I'll 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 take a rain check on it. I'll come back to you on it. UNC are my vote, by the way. What for the the player to watch on my team next year? Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> both. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, for the for the team to watch next year, uh, mm. the player to watch for me is Kieran Williams, uh, Kyron Williams. Sorry, the uh, running back from Notre Dame. Interesting situation he's going to find himself in with the new O line. It'll be interesting to see how he works. But he was absolutely phenomenal in 2020. Mm. Uh, he absolutely was burst out of cannon um, and has a lot of top traits. So very interesting to see him. But yeah, definitely UNC is is the team that I'm looking forward to watching the most. 
Hmm, interesting. I'll go. Uh, I'll go Boston College. I really like the way uh, Jeff Hafley had them playing this season. Six, uh, six uh, wins in his like, rookie season as a coach. I really like Phil Djokovic, one of the one of the better quarterbacks that we saw kind of emerge out of nowhere and return in Zay Flowers as well as his main target on the edge. So I, I think they'll they'll be a, up amongst the top teams in the in the uh, ACC next year. And then a quick plug for my uh, rebuilding Florida State with something like 50, 50 new players on the on the roster. That's uh, going to be impressive to see what Mark Norvell does with that. Mm. And also, we mentioned, didn't we, like all Liam mentioned, should I say, taking his credit, Boston College returning their whole offensive line as well. So, the pillar of stability, I guess, moving forward for them as well. So, yeah, good shout. Um, my one, bit of a surprise package from this year, uh, but returning quite a lot of offensive talent is um, Iowa State. Obviously, we've mentioned Brees Hall quite a lot. Obviously, he becomes draft eligible next year, so we'll be coming into our sites even more. Uh, Brock Purdy, obviously, QB coming back. Charlie Colas coming back as well. I, you know the the defense is isn't anything special, but it's the Big Twelve, so it doesn't really matter. You know they might be able to go for the second. You know maybe playing or come in the championship game again. Obviously a bit of turnover at Texas, and uh, obviously the head coach is, is changing at Texas or has changed at Texas as well. So um, maybe a bit of an opening spot there for the second best team in the Big Twelve, and obviously with Brees Hall, they're going to have an offensive weapon that can kind of really power a team um, in the conference. So yeah, Iowa State would be be my shout for the, my team to watch next year. Right, yeah, it's a good, good, good question, Liam, actually. Good, good to kind of look ahead with that. And uh, like Rob said earlier, we'll look ahead to the uh, next season in the springtime after we've um, sort of moved on to the draft, which is why we're, we're kind of making an announcement, really, and we'll kind of move on into that. Um, like I said before, this is going to be our final regular college football podcast. Um, we're going to maybe do, do some of these ad hoc, uh, but we'll still be with you every week doing our scouting podcast. Um and the reason we're kind of doing that and kind of moving into the draft is we are announcing today that we're going to be doing a draft guide, very first full 10 yards draft guide that we'll be bringing out, um, well, close to the draft. We're very excited about this, aren't we, as a group? We've kind of been obviously working towards this with our scouting and everything else in the background. Um, yeah, it's uh, going to be available in a couple of formats. We've not exactly finalised how that's going to be. We'll kind of be drip feeding details of this, but um, it's getting exciting, isn't it? With the artworks coming together very nicely, which is Mr. Grimwood putting uh, Sterling working in the design section of this. And obviously everyone working behind the scenes, uh, super hard um, with all the scouting and all the, the putting together of this. Um, Rob, I'll come over to you because obviously you've been putting so much work into it and you've getting very excited about this. Um, <laughs> it's, gonna be, it's been a big project for us, hasn't it? But it's, it's coming together really, really nicely. Yeah, it's uh, it certainly kept me busy over the Christmas period up until now. Um, logged quite a few hours, but what what's coming your way is basically is over two hundred, and I haven't got a definitive number at the moment, but it's going to be over two hundred players coming your way. Uh, which between the five of us, we have scouted every single one of them. Uh, we've watched multiple tapes, and we have given you our very own uh, grading system. Um, yeah, so what you're going to get is you're going to get uh, a, a, a card per player. Uh, it's got obviously the college projected round that we think you're going to go in um, or think that the grade is worth. Uh, obviously, the class, the style, strengths, weaknesses, height, weight, 40-yard dash, bench press, verts, all the sort of metrics from from what could what should be the combines now obviously pro days uh, so we'll translate all that for you put it on these guys stats from 2019 stats from 2020 and a nice summary from us so you're getting all of that for 200 plus players uh, in a guide it's going to be with you hopefully we we think in sort of march uh, early march um so yeah it's really exciting it, it's yeah certainly kept me busy like i said um logged quite a few hours on the design side of it but i thoroughly enjoyed it and i am absolutely buzzing for it to come out Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's been keeping us all very busy and more so yourself, obviously, with all the design side of things as well. So hats off to you for that. Um, something that we're hoping to make a regular feature. So this will be our debut one and then hopefully we'll try and improve it and, and develop it along with a whole bunch of other things or, you know, on the full 10 yard side and along our sort of branch of it. You know, we've got a lot of ideas amongst the five of us that we've been kind of excitedly brainstorming amongst us. So, um, yeah, kind of keep your eyes peeled for that. Obviously, like I say, as we finalise a few more details as the weeks and months move towards the draft. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of release that on the scouting podcast as we move forward. But uh, yeah, keep excited. Uh, and like I say, keep your eyes peeled for that one. Uh, we'll be dropping a draft guide, uh, quite a thick, hefty draft guide as well, as you've just heard from Rob. 
uh, sometime in March before the draft. And uh, yeah, it's a very exciting project. Anyone else want to say anything on the draft guide before we wrap up? I know we're kind of getting close to, to calling time here. Yeah, Kieran, you go ahead. You guys are going to be shocked by my honesty on a couple of LSU players I've graded. So uh, mm. I think yeah. that'd be happy to you for C. But I like I like that I've read a couple of your other guys' stuff because obviously I don't know if you've been going through reading <laughs> reading what the other people are writing. It's really interesting to see how much film we've watched and how much we've disseminated. Uh, just you, you know, I've been doing corners and uh, interior defensive linemen, and it's just. It's fun the amount of film you get to watch and a, a lot of subtleties you get to notice about players' game when you you watch them take, uh, you know, you watch 10 hours of them taking snaps and you can see the little subtleties in their movement, hips, feet, hands, everything. So it's been really a uh, fun learning experience for me. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think, I can, I think you speak for us all there, to be honest with you. I think we can all be in that boat for sure. Um, so yeah, no, like I say, excited and watch out for it. We'll be telling you more details as we come through the the closing the closing age, uh, the closing stages of the draft <laughs> cycle. So when I can speak, um, just as you mentioned there, sorry. Obviously, we did the corners podcast earlier on, which we moved on Saturday. You'll be very proud of us, mate. We we shouted out a lot of hips for you all. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Rob, I cut you off there. What were you about to say? Oh, no, I was just going to say to Kieran about the tape we've watched. My uh, three-month-old daughter has watched so much college tape with me that it's now sort of a lullaby for her. Like, if she's crying, I'll put on some college tape and she'll sort of shut up straight away. That's how much I've watched. So, uh, yeah, so it's been fun. It's been fun. And then we're only, well, yeah, we're, we're only getting to the thick of it now. So, um mm. Certainly, There's no yeah. wage laws for infants here. Can I hire her as like a defensive <laughs> analyst or something? <laughs> yeah, she says hire Bo Pelini. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's gone. Sorry, mate. She's broken. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, like I say, keep your eyes peeled for that one. And uh, yeah, lots of other things coming from us throughout the summer, throughout the, you know, moving towards the next college football season. But that about wraps it up for this one. And also, like I said, the regular college football podcast. Um, so for one last time, for on this podcast at least, we'll come round, go out some handles, and we'll get out of here. Um, Andy, I'll start with you. Yep, AJ Moore twenty one, uh, Dolphin and no Dolphin UK underscore Pod. Yeah, join us for all fun things draft over there. Awesome, Kieran, yourself? Yeah, I've changed my handle now. It is the Himbo F ten Y, full ten yards. <laughs> is it okay? Not noticed that yet. But then it's, again. It's- I didn't notice Rob's when he changed this the other week. We're rolling with it. I'm, a, I'm, I'm living up to my expectations of having a great body and respecting women. <laughs> Cheers to that. Uh, Liam, what about yourself? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Liam66NFL. Loads of NFL, college football stuff and thoughts and obviously f- going to be filling up with, with draft stuff as we get properly into draft season. Mm. Yeah, we can now say that. We've been a bit coy, haven't we, recently? We're talking about the guide and things like that, but we can be out in the open now, secrets out there for everyone to see. So, yeah. And Rob, lastly, for yourself. Yeah, um, I've not been too too busy on Twitter because I've been knee-deep in uh, in design. But, um, yeah, you find me at Rob Grimwood, R-O-B-G-R-I-M-W-O-D. Um, yeah, and... Over the coming weeks, you'll see some sort of stat nuggets from me coming out there for, for the guys that I've been scouting. Um it's going to be a good, interesting next couple of months. Um, draft season is coming! <laughs> yeah, we're into the thick of it, aren't we? And for myself, at Wakefield90 on the Twitter, um, like I say, just the same as all the other lads, uh, we'll be sort of pumping out all the draft content for you to see. Uh, but yeah, thanks again for listening, and yeah, we'll see you next time very, very soon. Saturday will be the next guy in podcast when we look at corners. Really. See you then. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com or follow us on Twitter at Full10YardCFB. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.